Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're wrapping up our Fair Opportunity Series with Part 4, which is about how the government can award without competition and still have fair opportunity. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely missing opportunities that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with part four. We're into part four of our Path to Fair Opportunity series. In part one, we talked about the differences between FAR Part 15 source selection procedures and FAR Part 16.5 fair opportunity procedures. In part two, we talked about the ordering process. In part three, we got in some depth about how orders are competed between the multiple award IDIQ contract holders through the fair opportunity process. Now we're on part four, which is a part that industry folks really care about, how can the government award orders without competition under the fair opportunity process? Before we get into that, let's stop and say thanks. This week, I want to thank Brian Burns. Brian Burns is the host of a couple of podcasts, including The Brutal Truth About Sales and Selling. In that particular podcast, he explains the challenges of making the complex sale, which the government is full of complex sales. Uh, His podcast is relevant to business development folks who also listen to our podcast. I want to thank Brian specifically for having me on his podcast twice and for continually liking and sharing our podcast content on LinkedIn because the best way for people to find our content is for people like Brian to share the podcast. Thanks, Brian. We really appreciate it. Back to the path to fair opportunity under multiple award IDIQs, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contracts for you acronym hounds. This episode, we're focusing on how to award without competition using the fair opportunity process. We're in FAR Part 16505. This is the application of the fair opportunity process. 16505B1 little i says, the contracting officer must provide each awardee a fair opportunity to be considered for each order except as provided in 16505B2. And that's what we're here to talk about today, the except as. 16505B2 little i provides six exceptions to the fair opportunity process. Three of them may sound very familiar to you. The first one is the agency need for supplies or services is so urgent that providing a fair opportunity would result in unacceptable delays. In other words, it's the same concept as unusual and compelling urgency in FAR 6.3. We need this thing in a hurry. The second one that may sound familiar, is only one awardee is capable of providing the supplies or services required because the supplies or services ordered are unique or highly specialized. Again, just like FAR 6.3, exceptions to full and open competition, you have urgency and you have only one contractor is capable of doing it. In this case, only one multiple award IDIQ awardee is capable of doing it. The third exception that might sound a bit familiar is is letter E. For orders exceeding the simplified acquisition threshold, a statute expressly authorizes or requires that the purchase be made from a specific source. So that is a statutory requirement. 
that's also one of the exceptions under FAR Part 6. Yeah, familiar but rarely, rarely used. All three of these are similar to the exceptions to competition that are listed in FAR 6.3. And they're covered by a justification and approval process. And if you want to hear more about that, episode 17, we cover that in detail. There are three more exceptions listed in FAR 16.505b2, little i, that are unique to multiple award IDIQs. This is where it gets fun. The first one is the exception is necessary to place an order to satisfy a minimum guarantee. We talked about the requirement for minimum orders in the second episode of this series. And if a minimum is not met, the government can just award a task order or delivery order to meet that minimum. However, if the minimum is not a meaningful amount, in other words, like a $2,500 minimum on a $10 million contract, then it becomes kind of an empty gesture. But the idea is still there. If the minimum has not been met, contracting officer can use this exception to directly select one of the IDIQ holders to meet that minimum. On some multiple award IDIQs, I've seen the government get the minimum out of the way by issuing a sole source order to each of the multiple award IDIQ winners right out of the gate that says, we're going to pay you $2,500 or whatever that small amount is to deliver a management plan or a technology overview or some type of document. So then they never have to worry about the minimum again. They've already met it for everyone. Yeah, and we used to use sample task orders that yep. were actually real so that we would award one of those sample task orders. The hope is that we could award one to each contract holder, which almost always worked every time. But for the most <laughs> at least you were awarding them real work. You weren't having to you know, invent some $2,500 right. project. Right. The second more unique exception that we're going to talk about concerns small business set-asides. It says the contracting officer may, at their discretion, set aside orders for any of the small business concerns identified in FAR Part 19. For example, if you have 10 multiple award IDIQ holders and three of them are small businesses, you could set aside an order just for those three and only release the FOPR, the Fair Opportunity Proposal Request, to those three. We did a large, like $800 million multiple award IDIQ. And for us, all of the orders worth less than 300000 had to go to small business concerns, that the small business holders under this contract. And there were like 15 companies that won. And, and this is the exception we used. Is it right out of the gate? In case you, we set the rule that if, if it's less than $300,000, it's going to be a small business set aside inside this contract, which I think maybe five of the 15 companies were small businesses. So effectively what that means, I know as a contracting officer, the most proposals I'm going to get is five. Right. That alone <laughs> helps me sleep at night because I know I can manage this process. All right. Speaking of managing the process, this is the big one. This is the big exception to the fair opportunity process that is unique to this multiple award IDIQ scenario. We save the best one for last. An exception to the fair opportunity process exists if the order must be issued on a sole source basis in the interest of economy and efficiency because it is a logical follow-on to an order already issued under the contract, provided that all awardees were given a fair opportunity to be considered for the original order. This could have been its own episode because the concept of a logical follow-on is a total judgment call. It, it is the judgment of the acquisition team, usually the contracting officer, almost always going to be the program manager, the customer, the user. They would love to be able to keep the same people. But one of the large IDIQs that I helped manage was ripe with this because so many, and it's a service contract, so many of the services were similar. 
once the customer learned what a logical follow-on was, every time they came to us with a new task order, they said, oh, well, this is a logical follow-on to this one. They, they'd already decided they wanted to add it and give it to the same company. And that's why we just started competing the orders for the entire length of the contract. So it was a five-year IDIQ. And so whatever order came in, we assumed it was going to be a base plus four options or whenever it came in during the five years. It was going to go all the way to the end. So we didn't have this logical follow-on conversation later. But we still ended up with lots of, quote-unquote, similar services that people were trying to stick into the task orders that we had, which is great if you're the one who holds that task order. The industry loves the logical follow-on. It avoids the whole recompete. Unless you're not the one getting the logical follow-on. Right. <laughs> the, the incumbent in industry loves the logical follow-on. Yeah, the, the phone calls I got from people and said, hey, I heard so-and-so got this contract. We never heard about it. Well, it's because it was a logical follow-on. And so I'm getting that phone call and I have to explain it. And again, not protestable, so they can't fight me on it, but it's still <laughs> made for some awkward conversation. So understanding that this happens, understanding how it happens, when it makes sense, why it makes sense. Like I said, this, this is its own episode almost. So you consider all the pieces of it. Linking this to the acquisition and execution time zones, just like we talked about in the previous episodes in this series, we're in the performance zone in the execution time zones of the overall multiple award IDIQ. But each task order delivery order follows its own mini acquisition and execution time zones process within that IDIQ. Now back to why this is important. There are exceptions to the fair opportunity process and a sole source award to one of your competitors probably does not seem fair but if you're the one getting the work, it seems entirely fair. And remember, like we talked about in the previous episodes, within this multiple award IDIQ bubble, relationships are even more important. And shaping is micro-shaping. It can be more effective because you've built these relationships with the same team that's competing over and over again or writing sole source justifications over and over again. And this is a lesson in targeting. The more targeted you are to the IDIQ contracts that you have, the more targeted you are to the customer, the more effective you're going to be. And because you're targeting the 80-20 process, we talk about it being 80% process, 20% relationship. I would bet in a lot of IDIQs, it's 80% relationship, 20% process. It's also important to remember that the justification for an exception to the fair opportunity process, so to award on a sole source basis under this multiple award IDIQ requires documentation. It's essentially the same as FAR 6.3. That we explained in episode number 17. There are a lot of steps. You have to write them all down. And there's approval thresholds built in. Currently, the contracting officer can approve an exception to the fair opportunity process up to $700,000. The competition advocate approves up to $13.5 million. The head of the contracting activity can approve up to $68 million or $93 million for a Department of Defense, right? $68 million, $93 million. Where do these numbers come from? I have no idea, but that's what they are. And above that threshold, it's the senior procurement executive for that agency. Let's put an example around this. Contracting officer sitting at their desk, you having their coffee. Here comes the, the, the customer, the user. He says, hey, I want to do a logical follow-on to this particular task order. It's $650,000 worth of work for two people to work for the next two years on this IDAQ contract. Assuming that the logical follow-on case is, is legit, the contracting officer puts together a two-page document, sends it out the door, it's done. And only those two people knew about it. 
oversimplifying, but you get my point. This is entirely different than most other acquisition strategies. And that's exactly how I've done a couple of these is that that, that was the conversation because I could approve it for up to $700,000 and it was the right choice and I documented it and it's in the contract file. Off we went. And then the contractor gets notified that they're, they got a, a logical follow on task order worth $650,000. That's the beauty of shaping an IDIQ multiple award contract. If it was $65 million, well, then someone else has to approve, not just the contracting yeah. officer. But it's still. It's going to take a lot longer to do it that way. Right. Specifically on the government side, there's a lot of discretion built into these exceptions. But you don't get away with doing this quietly. If you're going to take advantage of one of these exceptions, you have to write up a justification and approval, sole source justification kind of document, and it gets published just like it would if you were using an exception to FAR 6.3. So when I said only two of us knew about it, I meant only two of us approved it, and only we knew about it until I had to publish the JNA. And that's why the importance of the documentation that I mentioned is we ha- I have to write out the entire JNA. But the point is the decision was made at my desk with the two of us, and now we just have to document it afterward. Right. You have to document. It's This isn't just a crazy, I can do whatever I want. You still have to document why you made the decisions that you made. And, and by the way, we talked about things not being protestable. If it was an out of scope change, that is protestable. So again, there are bumpers to this. I mean, you know, I, that, that last story made it sound like I was a Wild West contracting officer, but there are limits to this. There's lots of bumpers around it, just a lot fewer bumpers than there are in FAR Part 15. Right. If you're using the small business set aside exception, you don't actually have to write a justification and have it published. That one's easy. And you talked about how you used that before with, hey, everything under a certain dollar value, we're going to set aside for small businesses. We're not going to have to churn through paperwork to do that. And, and like, I, like I mentioned with that story, the government user should really love these exceptions, especially the logical follow-on, because they allow them to get to the contractor to get their work done faster with pre-qualified contractors. The government should take advantage of the flexibility that this section offers. From the industry side, know how to get a task order or delivery order awarded to you on a sole source basis outside of this fair opportunity process. There are exceptions there that you can shape inside the IDIQ. You don't have to be the only source on the planet that can provide this anymore. You just have to be the only source that can provide it within the pool of contractors that hold this particular multi-award IDIQ. This is shaping inside the IDIQ. Companies can grow their relationship from inside the multiple award IDIQ. This is, and from the government perspective, this isn't a bad thing. It's one of the points of a multiple award IDIQ is you want a smaller group of offers who are, are pre-qualified. But the ability to grow that relationship inside the contract is, is a very effective tool to grow in your business. Remember, this should be a more repetitive process. You're doing the same things over and over again. Everyone learns how to submit a proposal quickly and efficiently. Everyone learns exactly what you're looking for, how you're going to evaluate. If used wisely, this can really streamline the process and provide the users with exactly what they need more quickly. So industry folks, knowing these exceptions allows you to help your government customer direct an award to you. You can help them make the case for awarding to you by knowing the rules that they're under, by knowing these exceptions, and giving them a little help with the support. All right, Kevin, with that, let's wrap it up. Multiple award IDIQ contracts give the government wide discretion, but not infinitely wide. 
when you're awarding a sole source contract, you got to know the requirement, you got to know the process, and you got to document it. Because even if it doesn't get approved above the CO, somebody's going to see it because it's going to get published. So documenting is a big deal. When I worked for the government, I spent a year in the policy office, and I spent a lot of time reviewing these logical follow-ons that were above the $700,000, for example. Some of them made sense to me, and some were just easier, in quotes. Either way, there was a judgment call in nearly every case. So industry folks, make sure you understand this process so you can make it easier for your government customer to define and justify a logical follow-on, for example. The logical follow-on process is sort of how most of us operate in our personal lives. You always tell a story about choosing a new accountant. Why would you ever change your accountant if their service meets your requirements? Well, you wouldn't unless you were unhappy. And that's what we talk about with government folks all the time. It's been five years. I don't want to change. Why do I have to? Because the FAR says we have to compete this. In the case of multiple award IDIQs, you may be able to award a logical follow-on that doesn't require a competition and avoid the cost of market research and running a competition and the transition and the risk involved in all of that. Like you said, Kevin, for industry folks, this logical follow-on is the key to avoiding recompetes and keeping your business for years and years. And with that, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. I'll see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. If you're struggling with the fair opportunity process, visit askskyway.com because Skyway Acquisition helps companies just like yours. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Yeah.